0: Have you ever made a plan? TJ was just talking about this. And you've prayed about it. You expect God to work your plan because you prayed about it. And then things don't happen the way you thought they would. You see, God has a plan that unfolds. But that plan unfolds according to God's will, and most of all, according to God's time, and not ours. We find that we like to set the calendar when it comes to God's plan and God's purpose. But we're ill-equipped to do it. We don't have the wisdom of God. We certainly don't have the power of God. And at times, we don't really understand the purpose of God. So it's impossible for us to see a plan come about in the way that we think it will unfold. Certainly, that's the story that we find that surrounds the name that we're looking into this morning, El Shaddai. This name means God Almighty. And we see God referred to as the Almighty many times in Scripture. Perhaps you even hear... Friends or peers refer to God as the Almighty. But do we really think about what that name means? God is also the All-Sufficient One. The One who is able to provide in our need. The God who is able to do the impossible. Certainly that is attendant with this name, this idea of El Shaddai. Now we're introduced to this name in the book of Genesis once again. In Genesis chapter 17, the passage that Leo read for you just moments ago, we find the revelation of the name El Shaddai. And what we see is some context for this name. When we go back to the book of Genesis, we find that God has made a covenant, a promise to Abram. And in this promise, we find in chapter 12 of Genesis, the name of God is given to us as Elohim, the powerful one. And what God says to Abram is that he's going to make a mighty nation out of him. As a matter of fact, the text reads as follows. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this was the covenant, the promise that God had made to Abram. We find that God further develops this idea, this promise that God would make a great nation out of Abram is developed in the 15th chapter. And when we come to Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, God reaffirms that covenant. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Now, what is this text talking about? This is several years after God made the promise that he would make a great nation out of Abraham. In Genesis 15, he's 75 years old. Sarah has been barren. He is too old and she is too old to have kids. I'm 65. I don't want any more kids. (laughs) Can you imagine being 75 and being the father of many nations and you haven't started yet? That's where Abram was. And so he's wondering, maybe God meant this relative of mine. He's not my son, but he's a relative. So at least it's through my bloodline. No, that wasn't what God was talking about in Genesis 12. He said he would make a great nation from him. And so he gives this promise. And he says, this man will not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Seventy-five years old. Number of years past the previous promise. And here is Abram still waiting. Sarah still waiting. And they wait. And they wait on the purpose and the plan of God when we look in Genesis chapter 16, we find Abram and Sarah decide to help God out with his plan. Many of you know the story. While in Egypt, Abram and Sarah brought a handmaiden, an Egyptian slave, with them. And something that was done culturally in that day was a woman would become a concubine of a household leader. And as a concubine, she was sort of like a wife, but not really a wife. And they could bear children. So Abram and Sarah decide, well, you know, we've been waiting for years, and it hasn't happened yet. So here's what we're going to do. Abram, you go and lay with Hagar, and at least the child will come from you, and then God's promise will be able to be fulfilled. To Abram and Hagar, Ishmael was born. And their solution brought ramifications that have caused animosity between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac, the son of promise that God mentions in the Genesis 15 passage for ages. In fact, there are still divisions between the descendants of Ishmael and Isaac today. You see, when we try to help God out and we forget God is the Almighty, we create problems that We can't even begin to imagine. The Almighty does not need our solutions or our help. The Almighty is the Almighty. Now, Genesis chapter 17, the text we're looking into today. Look at the beginning of this text and it says... When Abram was 99 years old, oh my goodness, 99 years old. And they're going to have a baby. Yikes. I mean, he should be like a great, great, great grandfather at this time. And here comes the promise. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram, and said to him, I am, now look at this name, God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Impossible. How could it be that as a 99-year-old man, and by the way, Sarah had been barren, but now that she's in that range of 99 too, She's going to have a baby? Inconceivable. One might even say impossible. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews in that famous Faith Hall of Fame said this about Abram. Therefore, from one man, him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of the heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. I love that part of the phrase, and him as good as dead. (laughs) That's what God did. As the Almighty, God can do the impossible. And that's where we find this name appear first in Scripture. He is the God of the impossible. You know, when we look at our problems, at our hopes, at our fears... Isn't it easy to forget that God is the Almighty, the all-powerful one? We lose perspective just like Abram and Sarah, and we focus on the impossibility of something rather than focusing on God. And God is still the Almighty. He is the one who is able to do what we can't even imagine. That is God the Almighty. Something else we see about God, when we see this name Almighty, we find in Scripture that He is the promise-keeping or covenant-keeping God. Many times this word appears in the Old Testament, but here in Genesis chapter 17, El Shaddai the promise-keeping God, the covenant-keeping God is mentioned right here. And his ability to keep his promise is based in his strength and who he is. Now, language scholars differ as to the meaning of Shaddai. El Shaddai means El, God, and then Shaddai is possibly from various Hebrew root words. One view takes it that the word expresses one who is strong and one who is able to to accomplish his purpose no matter what that purpose is. In other words, there's no one who can stay his hand. There is certainly that sense. But another theory is that the word comes from a Hebrew word that means breast. And the idea is God is the one who sustains us, nourishes us, nurtures us. As El Shaddai, God, all-powerful, is the all-sufficient one. When we look into scripture, this is a comforting name. It is a name that always promises to have God stay by your side, keep to his promise, provide what you need, because he is all-powerful, all sufficient. When we look in the book of Exodus, we find this name in this text as well. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abram, Isaac, Jacob, as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known unto them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they, excuse me, find my right verse, lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. God keeps his promises. What God is saying in this text is, as Lord Almighty, there's nothing to keep me from making a promise and Keeping that promise, I am the all-powerful one. Trust in me is the invitation. Again and again and again throughout the Old Testament, people doubted God, sold him short, wondered if he would be able to deliver on what he said he would deliver, and every time they were proven wrong and God was proven faithful because he is God Almighty. Something else we see about God Almighty Courage is given in living for God. When I really understand who God is, expressed by this name, God Almighty, I will have courage because I will trust God above all else. It's so easy for me to focus on my problem, on my challenge, and lose sight of God. When I see God as the Almighty, I will press on and I will push through the problem. I will trust in Him. But if my focus is on the problem or the struggle that I'm in the midst of and I forget God Almighty, I have no source of strength. I can't find the covenant-keeping. Almighty God, because I've lost sight. A verse that we looked into last time we were together bears repeating because it mentions El Shaddai. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Isn't that a great verse? We are in the shadow of the Almighty, we are under His protection, we are in the presence of. Of the Almighty God. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. When I view God as the Almighty, I have a fortress. I have a refuge that I can go to in those times of worry. You know the beauty of the name Almighty? Is we find it not only in the Old Testament, but we find it in the New Testament as well. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he shared with them that God is a father to you and we are sons and daughters. In other words, we have been brought into the family of God. And by what authority? By the authority of the Almighty. Your connection with God rests not in who you are, but in who God is. That's the thrust of this passage. God is the Almighty. You know, something else we find as we look to the last book of the Bible. Isn't it interesting that Almighty appears in the first book of the Bible all the way to the last book in the Bible, and he's still the Almighty. But Jesus identifies himself as the Almighty. The second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, says this, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. And then look at the the last statement, the Almighty. We worship Jesus Christ. At Christmas time, we remember the baby that was born in the manger. But we must also remember that baby born in the manger was the Almighty who took on human flesh. And He remains the Almighty. That is the God that we worship at Christmas. Right at the end of the book of Revelation, we find this. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For the Lord, our God, the Almighty, reigns. We look at our world right now and we think it's unfixable. It's a rotten mess. Let me encourage you, it's going to get worse. (laughs) According to the book of Revelation, there is no doubt it will get worse. But There's one who is coming again, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the Almighty, and he will reign. The scripture says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has has made herself ready. This is our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty, the one we worship. So this is the background for this name, Almighty. And that raises a question. What should be my response? If God is the Almighty, how should I live? Well, the first thing we should do is center our life on Him. Listen, if we make anything else the center of our life, we're selling ourselves short. When Abram was confronted with the truth, of who God is, that he is the Almighty, he was told something. Look carefully at this passage. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. And look at those next words. Walk before me and be blameless. Now what does it mean to walk before God? What it means is to walk under his authority. To recognize that God is ever-present. To make him the center of my life. Not going off doing whatever I feel like doing in the moment. But looking to God. And recognizing that he is the almighty. And he has a part in my life. As a matter of fact, he is my life. You see, it's because He is Almighty that I was brought into a relationship with Him, and it is because He is the Almighty that I am kept in a relationship with Him. If I were dependent on my own strength and ability to maintain my salvation, in other words, if I had to keep my salvation by the works that I perform, I and you would be hopeless and helpless. But we have one, the Almighty God, who holds us in the strength of his grip. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. We are in the hand of the Almighty and He holds us by His strength. Look at verse 29. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I am the Father, are one. We are held by the strength and the grip of the Almighty as children of God. Why would we not make Him the center of our life? So my response needs to be, God first, Everything else, secondary. Something else. I need to count on God in the impossible. When Abram and Sarah made their decision to have Ishmael, they lost perspective. There were several times in their history where they lost perspective. And each time... There were problems that ensued. The story of Hagar really goes back to a problem that Sarah and Abram entered into when they went down to Egypt during a famine. During that time, Abram said to Sarah, his wife, because she was beautiful, say to the Pharaoh, you're my sister. Plagues came upon the Pharaoh. He found out the truth about Abram and Sarah and sent them away with treasures and slaves, hoping that that would stop a plague that had come upon his house. Hagar would have been one of those slaves. And then they make that terrible decision with Hagar to have Ishmael, which became a problem as well. So many of the things that we do where we try to say, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to go a different route. We can't see the disaster that it will cause, but it always does. What we need to do is look to God. Trust Him as the Almighty. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians the following, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. We can't even imagine what God can do as the Almighty. We can't even think about how God might resolve a situation that we're in. But it means that we come to the place to where we trust God and rely upon Him. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Is that our view of God? Have we been focusing on God, or on our challenges, or on our problems, or on ourselves? or on our solutions to our dilemmas, we need to turn to the Almighty. Finally, my response to God being the Almighty is I need to serve God in His strength. When we look in Scripture, God is the one who provides everything that we need What he calls us to do, he equips us to do. Paul gave testimony to this fact to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth was giving Paul a rough time. Many of the leaders were disregarding him as an apostle. Something we covered in Sunday school class this morning And for those of you who are in Sunday school, you get a double dose. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan that was buffeting him. And he asked God to take it away. His solution was removal. God's solution was different. In 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. This is the exchange between the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty, and the Apostle Paul. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, do you catch what is being said? I experience God's greatest power and strength when I'm at my weakest. So... God never promises to put us through a cakewalk when it comes to our life. We're going to experience difficult times. But that's not the time to bail on God. That's not the time to doubt Him or disregard Him. That's when we run to Him because that's where we find our strength. His strength or power is made perfect, meaning brought to its fullness in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a perspective builder. This is the Almighty who gives us the strength, the power that we need. Last verse I'd like to share. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians about the strength of God, the strength of God isn't some theological concept that's just floating out there. The strength of God has power and teeth for us right here, right now. In Paul's prayer... For the Ephesians was this, that they would grasp the power of God that's operative in their lives. Listen to what he says. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness, now look at this, of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the ages to come. Do you know the extent of God's power directed toward you as the Almighty? The same strength that it took for Christ to vanquish sin and be raised in victory, seated at the right hand of God. That's the power of the Almighty directed toward us. Folks, this morning we have seen a glimpse into this title, El Shaddai. (coughs) Have you been viewing God as the Almighty? Or do you view Him as, eh, might be? God is the Almighty, the all-powerful one. Place your faith in Him. Center your life on Him. Find your courage in Him. Consistently serve. Because you serve the Almighty. The God who is. And the God who is capable of the impossible. You can count on Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for being Almighty God. May we avoid the pitfalls of going to our resources and forgetting who you are. Let us live in the shadow of the Almighty, our refuge and our fortress. And we pray this in Jesus' name.